Friends, I'm Dulce Sloan, and welcome to That Black Ass Show, a podcast celebrating the Black TV shows, movies, plays, and all types of Black content that have and continue to shape the world. This week, we talk about the classic television show, The Boondocks. Created by Aaron Magruder, originally a popular comic strip, the animated series follows the lives of Riley and Huey Freeman living in a white suburb with their grandfather, Robert Freeman. Through the family, the show took a satirical look at topics such as race, class, culture, and societal norms. It starred Regina King as Huey and Riley Freeman, the late John Witherspoon as Robert Freeman, Gary Anthony Williams as Uncle Ruckus, Cedric Yarborough as Tom Dubois, Jill Talley as Sarah Dubois, and Gabby Solil as Jasmine Dubois. The show aired from November 6, 2005 to June 23, 2014 on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. It is now set to return to the streaming service HBO Max for a reboot this year. Today's guest is comedian, actor, writer, and nephew, Idoye Travis. No, we're not related, we're just black. You might have seen him flexing his acting skills in Russian Doll and Search Party. His debut comedy album, OK, produced by Comedy Dynamics, was released January of 2018. You can catch it on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere you purchase a comedy album from. All right, let's start the show. Doctor to my nephew, nephew, we are not related. So today we're talking about the boondocks. Um, You're talking about the boondocks. Yes. Why did you pick this a show, nephew? Uh, well, partly because it was a show I had watched most recently when you asked me to do this, but also, um, also just because I I grew up watching it, it was like. I think it was one of the last shows I really, really watched before I went to high school. And in high school, I kind of stopped watching TV for a long time. And so... Interesting. Uh, because I went to a boarding school, they had one TV. And so I was like, it's Daily Show or nothing. I forgot you went to... I never forget you go to boarding school. I'm so proud of that. I'm, I've never mm. forgotten that you went to boarding school. <laughs> boarding high school. And that was because yeah. you were on a soccer scholarship, right? Uh no, just a regular scholarship. A brain, oh. brain scholarship. Come on, brain instead of the foot. I see. Come you. on now. Come on now. That boy, that boy smart. That boy smart. That boy, that boy smart. Mm. Okay, so how, uh, we have to have a whole other conversation about born in high school. So basically, you chose yeah. the show because it's the thing you watched the most recently. But uh, yes. <laughs> So did the show have any like significance to you? Yeah, I think so. It was just like, it's a show I I grew up with. And it was like, for me, it was like one of the first shows where it didn't feel like it was just showing like one version of blackness. I think yes. it really, it really made a point to like, to be like, this is a family. And between the three of these people, there's such a broad diversity of thought um, just in this one house to where you kind of yes. have to extrapolate in your own mind. Like, okay, so if this is three people that know each other and they're this different, mm -hmm. then there must be so many different types of black people out there. And I feel like it's like, people are so quick to try to tell you you're not black. Like people who are not black are so quick to tell you, you yes. are not black. Um, based it's on very nothing. wild. It's very yeah. wild that, uh, you know, we've all gone to the auditions and people have asked us, you know, to talk more urban. It was like, sweetheart, my mother worked very hard, so I did not sound like what you think I should sound like. Yeah. And I'm just like, even if my mother, even if my mother didn't work hard and I didn't sound like this, like, fuck that. Like, like I don't understand. Because, like, but, you know, we've all been... Because I think growing up, you know, I'm sure you've been told you talk white. I know I got told I talk white. Bro, I, um, I got told I talk white from by family when I was a child. I was like, yeah. I only know y'all. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck do you think I learned it from? <laughs> I learned by watching you, Dad. I learned by watching you. <laughs> no, my grandmother, like my grandma grew up in... Um, like South Georgia, like my grandma grew up in Perry, Georgia. 
And mm-hmm. so she had a Southern accent, but she didn't have a Southern accent yeah. by the time I was born. Uh-huh. Um, Cause my mother told me my grandmother would sit up and read the newspaper out loud to uh-huh. lose her accent. Oh, cause my grandma some, spoke. With, that's mm-hmm. some Stephen Colbert shit. Right. So my grandma sat up. What do you mean Stephen Colbert shit? What? He's from South Carolina. And he, oh used to, he talks like he's from South Carolina, but, or he used to, oh. his oh, name shit. is Stephen. His name is Stephen Colbert. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I say that with no zero shade. He has said that very publicly several times, but. Yes. He was like, I don't know where we got Colbert from my name. Well, it's just like, um, what's that Boehner guy in Congress? And it's like, we're reading oh, Boehner. John, John Boehner. John Boehner. And it's just like, okay, we're trying to pull the stunt, sir. We we know how English works. Yeah. You might trick us just, with a silent... Mm-mm. You can't throw extra letters in there and think I'm not going to see that, see the the main five. Mm-hmm. That's Boner. You put an mm-hmm. E and an H in Boner mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to think it's German? No. No. No, 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 no. Look at it. This ain't French. There ain't 12 letters on the end I'm not supposed to say. This ain't trying to say hors d'oeuvre. Like, I'm not doing this with you, monkey. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Put an X in that shit or or get the fuck out of here. Come on. If you give me an X, uh, then I can show it to you. But, like, yeah, my, um, so, yeah, my grandma tried to, you know, make sure to lose her accent. My mother was, you know, I had to speak very well. We were taught to speak very well. And then I was doing theater my whole life. Yeah. So elocution, pronunciation, enunciation, all of the shit. And then also we lived in Colorado when me and my brother lived in Colorado when we learned how to talk. Yeah. And when we started like talking around, like we were in daycare. So we were around Colorado white people when we learned how to speak. Mm. And then we lived in like suburbs. So it's just like, I... What do you, what do you, what do you niggas want from me? Okay. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I grew up with my Nigerian mother in a mm. household where I just sat in my room and watched a lot of anime. That was my whole childhood. Mm. And then I would go to my dad's house and I'm like, you think I'm supposed to talk like you? I don't, I don't live with you. <laughs> I don't what know. Do you- like, it's not, this is not the environment. This is not the campaign. So like when you talk about the boondocks portraying, cause like, I've had this conversation many times about how you're talking about how blackness is portrayed. And I've, yeah. and I've never asked anyone this question. Um, when we talk about how blackness is portrayed, to show different types of blackness, do you think it's more beneficial to black people or beneficial to mainstream? Is it more beneficial to black people to see what sort of different types of blackness or more beneficial to mainstream America to see different types of blackness? I think... I think there are gradients to that question in the sense that like, I think black people know that there are different types of blackness because we live it. But then to see, to see it portrayed on TV, I think it's important to feel like you are acknowledged by other Mm -hmm. people because there is Mm -hmm. a lot. uh, Oftentimes there's a sense of like, we know there's this type of blackness that exists, but we don't fuck with it. And I, yeah, there's also that. Yeah. And so to see them just like just portrayed in their element and not really like and obviously there's certain like uh, shit you're just supposed to like ascertain based on how the characters behave. That's yes. a different thing. But um, just to see them in their element and you can kind of take them or leave them as they are. That I think is kind of important. I think it's I think there's more of a learning curve for white people because there's less of a foundation of knowledge of what black people are like. So they have more to learn but I think it's more important for black people to see that. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes that when we, when we see our, I mean, cause the questioning of blackness by black people, cause it's like, I don't think I have questioned. I've never openly questioned someone's blackness, but I have connected someone's connection to their culture. As mm-hmm. in, I'm not questioning your blackness, but I'm questioning. First of all, I don't understand why people become 
Like I never understood the goth kids. I never, there were just certain groups I didn't get. Yeah. So I didn't understand like goth, that grunge culture. I was like, mm-hmm. what do we, what, what is, what is this for? I don't understand hipsters. Like I don't like certain things. I'm just like, like mm-hmm. some kind of like groups that are trying to be subversive, but then become commercial very quickly. Mm-hmm. Cause remember when like goth kids, like I remember this goth, uh, this goth kid in my high school was just like, you know, I dress like this. He's like, you think you guys are so, you know, I dress like this. What do they say to me? You know, I do this to be different. And you guys do this because you're all the same. Like he's trying to make this great point. And I was just like, you know, Hot Topic's owned by the Gap, right? Yeah. And he went, it's- what? And I was like, Hot Topic is a chain. It's owned by the Gap. I remember when Hot Topic opened. So like before yeah. that, them kids had to go out hunting down them leather pants. Hunting down them wild ass jeans, hunting down them Doc mm-hmm. Martens that look like the funky ass Doc Martens. And then Gap gave you a store. And I'm telling you, Yadoye, the next week when I saw that kid, he had regular fucking clothes on. <laughs> I was like, he was like, what happened? He's like, I found out you were right and they are owned by the Gap. And then I realized I'm just like everybody else. I'm like, damn. Oh my God, sorry. I didn't mean what I like, broke. I broke this dude. Like, I. Because he really thought, he was like, yeah, I do this because, you know, we're all different. And I'm just like, but if you are different, how come y'all all have on the same, y'all all have on the same strappy ass jinkos? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. That's You so walked much. into a store and walked out with an identity. Like, how do you think this is different? Yeah. You're just, you're just being different in the exact same way. That's right. All- and so then, yeah, and it was just like. Cause it's like this kid, there was the kids that were into anime. Cause like when I was in high school, you had to like, you had to get like on VHS. You had to know where to go to get mm-hmm. anime. Cause I was like, I was in like 11th grade, 11th or 12th grade when like the, when people, when we got like our first email addresses. So yeah. how did you, cause like the style of boondocks, I think what made it so different and kind of gave it an appeal was that it had that anime style yeah it was animated by an anime studio it was uh but, like, but when it was the uh, comic strip was it still an anime studio no the comic strip was uh i think aaron mcgruder himself um right but but then when the show came out it was animated by uh studio madhouse which i think which did uh the show one punch man which is okay, now, no now like one of the most popular anime that just came out um or it came out in the last few years um so that's why it looks like that and they took like frame for frame fight scenes from naruto and shit like that so it was like heavily inspired by anime and it was like also on top of like portraying different types of blackness it was also just like portraying the artist's um just version of blackness and confirming just how much black people fuck with anime. Cause up yeah, until I don't think people knew. I don't think people knew because it's like, what drew you? Because like my brother, I remember him having like the Ghost in the Shell VHS and having mm-hmm. like like I remember when Dragon Ball Z came on TV and it was like all the black people I knew fucked with Dragon Ball Z. Like yeah. even white people, like a lot of white people are like, we don't even know what this is, but all like a lot of black people like fuck mm-hmm. with Dragon Ball. Fuck with you know all of this. So like, what drew you to it, or what do you think draws black people to it? But you especially. Um, I wrote a whole thing about it. I think it's um, it's just a it's a clear path from like why black people used to fuck with kung fu movies because mm-hmm. it was the only non-white people that were on movie screens at the time, or the only non-white people that were like the hero of the story, and not just like mm. not just like a pimp or some dude who's like uh down on his luck or some shit he was it was like the only non-white people that were out there like beating his ass yeah because when you think like drunken master of the wu-tang clan and all of that like yeah. a bunch of niggas named their rap group after this you know after this movie and there's like yeah. five deadly venoms like mm-hmm. i remember Niggas going through the neighborhood and just like there was a movie, I think, of Five Daily Battles where this dude would do like this snake bite thing. Yeah. And just catch you in the neck. And I remember for a good six months, niggas would just roll up snake bite. And I was like, when is <laughs> yep. this going to be done? 
Bro, I watched yeah. a video. I watched a video where uh, RZA talked about all the movies that inspired Wu Tang samples and their albums and all that shit. And they're mm-hmm. like RZA. I don't think people recognize how much of a nerd RZA is. Like people you can see it on him. You can see it, but like when you see him talk about it, like his mm-hmm. en- his enthusiasm for like the like Shaw Brothers kung fu movies is so far beyond his enthusiasm for rap. Mm. Like watch, watching his uh, his versus battle was like he's just sitting there like pressing play basically. But watching him talk about this uh, this fight, like it was like an old uh, kung fu master fighting a student or something like that. And dude's like grabbing at him, trying to like find a weak point. And his power's like he can move his weak points and everything. And there's a shot, dude like grabs him in the nuts. And Riz is like, oh, he grabbed the nuts. He grabbed it. Oh, he moved the nuts. Look at that. He moved the nuts. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's supposed to be every man's weak point. And he's like, nope, not today. Nope. nope. Wow. Where the nuts at? He moved the nuts. well i do remember growing up like black people had a lot of like um like everybody had like like an asian influence i don't know if that was just the 80s period or black Mm -hmm. people in the 80s but everybody had like a lot of asian like there was always a cat like a chinese cabinet somewhere somebody everybody like i think people had screens and shit like just seemed to be like a lot of asian influence of people's like we're like black people's houses. Like they always have like one yeah. of those embroidered uh, paintings up. Like it was just always, it was something you always saw. Um, I mean, that's that's because they they put all the they put all those martial arts movies in the same theaters where they put all the black exploitation movies, and so that's why there was this oh. crossover and all this stuff. So they like, yeah, and so it was just like fed directly to the black community because. White people were kind of like, we don't fuck with it, but it's also a huge film market. Second largest film market in the world, or might be largest film market in the world, China. I mean, there's a billion of them, niggas. So there's I a billion see... of them. I would say largest. Um, yeah. <laughs> so these are big it's budget movies. movies. Yeah. yeah. So it's like big budget movies or like uh, hugely profitable movies that went to like what they thought was the least profitable mar- profitable market. And right. we and we lifted that shit up to where it is now, and we did Ate the same thing with anime. Right. I, I think maybe that's maybe that's what it is to see a strong like a hero figure on screen, even if everybody like because in those movies nobody's not Chinese. Yeah. Nobody's not Chinese. Like everybody mm-hmm. on the fucking screen is Chinese. And we're just like, I fuck with it. But I can say sometimes when I watch, like sometimes when I watch Korean dramas or sometimes when I would watch those movies, I would look and see our features on some of the actors. Uh It's like, I see our noses, I see our lips, I see our cheekbones. And I'm just like, maybe we fuck with this because we can see ourselves literally in their face. Yeah. I I think it goes deeper than that. I think... um... Dragon Ball Z is straight up just, and obviously this is like me conjecturing, but like, and it's mm-hmm. not intended by the, but Dragon Ball Z is just black people. Saiyans are black people. They mm. were slaves. Saiyans were slaves. They, I never get all the backstory for that. I just remember watching Dragon Ball Z, the cartoon as a kid being like, how long is he going to run before he hit him? Yo. He going to run across uh, the whole screen? Whole screen. You going to charge he, for you gonna charge for ten episodes, and then right. uh, and then do some shit that is not necessarily worth it. But, wow. Okay, I do want to I do want to stay on task, but I've always had this one question about anime, and maybe you can explain this to me. Yeah. Why in anime? Because like in cause like in the Wu like in the Kung Fu movies and the you know all those movies, it was all Asian people, right? Everybody looked Chinese. I've never understood why anime characters look like white people. Okay, so that is because that goes, and I I'm, I know a lot about this because I'm doing a podcast about anime right now. 
that's about to okay. come out soon. Um, so that is uh, Osama Tezuka, the dude that did Astro Boy, and um, mm-hmm. Kim of the Lion, which Lion King is allegedly based on. Um, he started that tradition where basically he wanted it to be marketable worldwide. So he he just made it so like, um, ev- so basically anybody could play an anime character if they were to do like a live action version. So, it's so called white people the, can play. Basically, yeah. The concept is mm. called Muko Koseki. Uh, I mean, statelessness. So they didn't want it to look like it was from Japan. And also it start like uh, anime first started to become big in the U.S. right after World War II. So they were like, mm. probably don't fuck with the Japanese still. Nah, they still calling us, they still calling us wild shit. So we just gotta uh-huh. make sure. Yeah. We just gotta make sure that, you know, I've always, because I remember watching Sailor Moon as a kid, and I loved Sailor Moon. Um, but I do remember asking my brother, because my because I was talking to my mom, because me and my mom were looking at me, and she's like, ain't this from Japan? We were like, yeah. She's like, then why are they drawing white folks? I don't mm-hmm. understand what this is about. And I yep. think for me, that's why I sometimes couldn't get into it, because I'm just like, oh, girl, what happened in Japan for them to be drawn, right? I know we dropped two bombs. My mom was like, well, we did drop two bombs on them, so maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. They're going through some shit. They're nervous too. A little upset. Yep. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. So, uh, let's see. What are some of your favorite moments from the show? Um... I think my one of my favorite moments is uh, the appearance of a pimp named Slickback. One of the, oh god, my I think one of the greatest Cat Williams performances of all time. I mean, truly, because it was like, oh, Slickback. He's like, no, a pimp, a pimp named Slickback. I can I when I saw that, I was like, I they had to be losing their shit in the writers' room. When they decided oh, yeah. that this man's name was going to be <laughs> a, a fucking pimp sentence, a sentence. Oh it's my a, god, that made me. When he said, "It's like a tribe called Quest," you got to say the whole thing. Oh, oh, that's perfect. Yo, okay. Well, one, the concept of Cat. First of all, Cat Williams just that whole pimp persona that he had was always like a very interesting. Was a very, always a very interesting concept to me because I'm just like, why is this comedian dressed like this? Like I don't understand, but like I also low key fucking loved it because it's like, yes, I do remember when men had perms, and I mm-hmm. appreciate this. Yes, because we also could remember like think about the time we saw Snoop Dogg. Uh, I think the times I've seen Snoop Dogg or like DJ Quick with full roller sets. Yeah. Curls in their hair and we're like, yep, still gangsters. Like Snoop Dogg had like pigtails one time with the little balls on it. And it was just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody, Char- nobody asked nobody. questions. Nobody. No, I never thought anything fucking about it. Mm-hmm. Never. I remember seeing Wishbone and the guy his hair blown out, both legs of Harmony. He's at a concert and his hair is like falling in his face. He has to reach his arm around and pull his hair back. And I'm just like, Again, still a fucking man. See, still it, a fucking see, man. Turns out, who would have thought the the remedy to homophobia is to have people think you have a gun? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to have a gun. They just got to think you have a gun. That's it. They just have to think that you murder. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, let me do about the catcalling video, and they're like, we should do a reverse catcalling video where it's women catcalling men. I was like, it's never going to work. Because there's no. no implied danger. What you do is get a six foot fucking just diesel gay dude hollering at men and then see what the fuck. That's because men know to be afraid of other men. Yeah. So you just get you this send a woman dude. out with a gun. Right. <laughs> What's up, little nigga? Let me get in them jeans. <laughs> What's up? Hey, nigga. What's up? And it's a white girl. What's up, nigga? Let me get in them pants real quick. That's what how I want? imagine girl. That's how I imagine girls cat call. 
they don't they don't cuss except the N word. Just say, what up, nigga? Let me take you on a date. <laughs> you try to go to the I blue know. note? I heard I heard <laughs> I heard they got one of the Marcellus brothers playing. One of the lesser known I ones. It. It's not it's not Branford. It ain't Winton. <laughs> I don't know which Marcellus it is, but you gonna come with me and we gonna find out. Hey, nigga, you wanna listen to white jazz? <laughs> <laughs> hey, nigga, we gonna go to the five spot, listen to a jam band. Let's go. <laughs> it's one of them niggas that used to play with Prince. He never really made it. He never really made that big of a career on his own, but he's still good. He was good enough to get Prince attention. I mean, he's still working. You know, he's, don't do him like that. Don't so, do him like that. A pimp named Slickback who appeared in one episode in season season one. So, so season one, episode three, and then he appears on three episodes. So it's like for him to have the amount of impact that he had and to be just a, uh, such a memorable character. Out of 56 episodes, he was only in three of them, or four of them, it looks like. You know how deep that it goes? I I went to an anime convention, saw somebody dressed as a pimp named Slickback. An anime convention. I mean, he knew his genre. He knew his history. He knew knew what he could do. Now, I do love... uh, I'm trying to figure out which one. One of my favorite moments was the... uh, Tom does the Let It Burn music video. Oh, yeah. He does a little dream sequence. Yes, when it's raining and shit. Remember yeah. when R&B was just the nigga singing in the rain? Yep. Shout out Omarion. Oh, Omarion. Y'all, what- I can say, one of the best songs, that, like that song, Icebox, I uh-huh. actually really fucked with that song. I can't yeah. tell you why. Uh, so, yeah, the, uh, the Let It Burn... So Sarah kicks Tom out of the house over an argument about Usher. Usher. Because she she's out here fucking around with Usher. Again, Usher. I think Usher moves into their house. Yeah, he ends up moving into the house. And he's like, I want Usher out of here. You're too close to him. And she was like, you can't do this to me. And so a pimp named Slickback and the Freemans have to help Tom get his wife back. Yeah. From Usher. And he will not tolerate him not calling her a bitch. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. Like, I'm sorry, like, Tom, what? but I'm sorry, Tom, but you have to call her a bitch. Uh, anything else would be emasculating too. And I cannot, I cannot let you go down like that. I am sorry. <laughs> What a wild ass concept. Now, um, because when you were talking about like the different types of blackness just in the home, because like, you know, Huey, who I think they said name was named after Huey P. Newton, I think was the motivation for him. Yeah. Um, I loved how he was like, you know, he's like, all right, I'm militant black, but I'm not too much. Riley was just wild as fuck. I also thought it was hilarious that a a nigga named Riley was wild as fuck. Yeah, this this little black child with a white with a white girl's name. Yes, because I do remember that some of the dudes in my there were uh, there were three there was a black dude in my high school named there were most I've always first of all I was been confused about how Courtney is also is a white woman in a black man's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my high school, there was black dudes named there was a Kelly, there was an Ashley, and then there were like a couple of Courtney's. Yeah. But there was definitely an Ashley. And niggas just pronounced it different. I guess to make, I don't know if they make, they make they make themselves feel better, make him feel better. But he was this giant motherfucker. He was like six one when we were like in the eighth grade. And yeah. it was six foot, but he was a nigga named Ashley. Ashley. And I think we said it different, but it was so interesting to me because it's just like, okay, this is what happens. Either you end up, you couldn't have been in a hood named Ashley because you'd had to fight every day. Yeah. But we're in the suburbs now, so you're okay. 
So you're good. Um, Yo, you're when good. I, that's some like real African shit. Like when I was a kid growing up, uh, my dad used to live in Stone Mountain and there were some kids that lived next to him. Uh, oh, yeah. There's two African kids. One was named, it, one was named Amali. The other one was mm. a Betty. And when I was a kid growing up, I was like, okay, so y'all are Molly and Betty. <laughs> and they was like, no, it's a Molly. And I'm so, okay. and so I was like, oh, so a nigga named Molly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- and, and those kids, boys? it was two boys and mm. they were assholes. And I think it was because they didn't get any respect in the neighborhood. Cause they were named Molly and Betty. They were named Molly. You sound like best friends in a 50s sitcom. Like that. (laughs) Y'all sound like extras in I Love Lucy. Yes. (laughs) The one sending the the candy into the factory. You in the next room. Yeah, Yeah, you're the one sending the candy down the line. (laughs) (laughs) Let her roll. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, I'm going to get my shine. One of these days. Oh, that fucking Ethel. Um, so I know that I was, when I found out that Regina King did the voice of both Huey and Riley, I was like, whoa. Yeah. What? Oh, she is talented. Okay. Got yeah. Got they, they sound just different enough, too. Yeah. Where if I didn't see their faces, I was like, yeah, that's Riley. And that's Huey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that we kind of just, we kind of just caught on to how dope Regina King is. Yeah, because like I remember her on 227 and I don't think we knew that she was going to, I mean, she was playing a teenage girl on a TV show. Like she wasn't going to be giving you Emmy Award winning performances. She didn't have enough lines for that. Um, But, you know, and she was kind of, she fell off for a second and when she came back, she was just like, like I'm a bitch, I am here. I'm yeah. doing all. What's of up? Your Here's shit. Watchmen. Yes, girl. I tried to watch Watchmen. Ramon was over here. You know when you could have visitors. Uh-huh. Uh, so like when days. I think was watch in the old days when you could <laughs> see a human and touch them. Um, Ramon was like, "Yo, you should watch Watchmen." I kept hearing about it. He starts the first episode. I don't know if I told the story in the podcast before. But he uh, starts the first episode, and it's the Tulsa Massacre. Oh, yeah. It's the first episode. And I'm sitting here watching it, and my arms start to hurt. Like, my Mm -hmm. body starts to hurt. And Ramon, I was like, you have to turn it off. And he was like, why? I said, I feel like my blood is screaming. Yeah. Because people don't realize is that my father's side is from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is, you know, someone I was related to or whatever, but I've never seen, because we've all seen like films that depict traumatic things happening to black people. But this right. is the first time I've ever had this reaction. And he was like, oh, it's fine. And I was like, you have to turn this off. Yeah. My, like, like, Hidoya, I felt like my, like all my, and it wasn't like my arm, it was like inside my, it felt like my blood hurt. Yeah. And he had to turn it off and then I just started crying. And yeah. it was only on for maybe like four or five minutes and I just had the craziest fucking reaction. Yeah. And that is the most, probably the most intense five minutes of that show. Right, that, and that's what Ramon was trying to say. After this, it's fine. I'm like, I can't yeah. I hear you. I get it. And you know what? I think knowing what happened um, in Tulsa, I think you can skip that part, start the rest of the series and just feel, just see sort of justice play out. Right. Yeah. I might have to do that because I'm telling you, I was like, he's like, I could just fast forward. And I was like, turn it off. Yeah. We just fast forward past this part and watch the rest. I was like, turn it off. I have yeah. no desire to participate in what this is because I associate this feeling with this show. So I need you yeah. to turn this off. And so I know she's in it and I want to watch it because she's an you know, amazing performer. And then we can't talk about this show 
without talking about pops, without talking about John Witherspoon. Yes. We would be completely out of line, out of frame, mm-hmm. because one of the best episodes, I think, is when, uh, you know, Granddad's fight. Like yes. In the nigga moment episode. Uh-huh. That blind man really whooped his ass up. Yeah. Bro, like, that, that was like, I think that episode was when I realized, like I knew, I grew up watching or like reading the comic strip uh, here and mm-hmm. there. So I anticipated that show before it came out. And so I was right. excited about it already. But that episode was like, oh, this shit is about to be like real. Mm-hmm. This shit is about to be like exactly like all the anime I'm watching, like serious fights. Shit's about to be. Yeah, because this is season ripped. one, episode four. It's when the nigga moment episode comes out. Yeah. And I remember watching it and I was just like, yo, man, this is because like the only time it was like I like the drawing style that Aaron Magruder had in the comic strip. So and mm-hmm. everybody was very excited yeah. when he got the TV show. Um, but to see that they stayed in that style and pushed the style even further, mm-hmm. but like watching the fight with because like the thing about the anime style and the way that they fight, it's just like it's I don't understand it's it's kind of like blurred action but crisp action at the exact same time. So there's uh-huh. like very much you are focused on this hit. You're focused on th- like it's very it's not like one of those cartoon fights where you're just like you're seeing the whole frame. It's like the whole frame Yeah is I think I think anime one like, moment. Yeah. Because I think anime does like half the number of frames uh, as an American cartoon. So it's like, mm. yeah. So it's weird. I don't know. I, don't, I can't speak super intelligently on that, but it's an entirely different style of uh, animation down to like the technical shit. And I think that wow. was the first episode where I like really saw that that was what they were going for. Like they had the whole training sequence in the middle of the yes. episode. Like he talked. Yes him he's like the blind assassin and all this shit and then you get to the end he's like oh no that's just a blind nigga that got lucky <laughs> <laughs> who trained him no. who trained him he's like his heightened his senses his senses are heightened he's like no nah, like, nah, nope you just stepped on his fucking cane that's what it is also yep. after watching that episode I remember like being very aware of like, I have to make sure, like it would just kind of make me go, if I see some, if I interact with someone who is blind and has a cane, get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Cause I, I don't need to be part two of this. Also, I should just get out of their way because they have a cane. Don't be a dick, get out of their way. You know what? I feel like, I feel like he should have knew, uh, that he was in Pop trouble was when the nigga, huh? Oh, go ahead. I'm saying he, he should have known he was in he was in trouble when the nigga drove there. He drove <laughs> to the fight, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you fighting a blind man who drove here? I'm leaving. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> like, the, I feel like that's the one part that they don't talk about. <laughs> or is just like, he like hitting cars and stuff while he was trying to park he was, he was hitting his cars hitting his car and everything they did all the visual gags and all this stuff but I'm saying like right. when they were training for the fight he did all this like he's the blind assassin shit and not once did Huey stop and think yo that nigga drove there yeah he knows something that we don't know he's got something cause his, senses, cause his heightened senses go outside of a vehicle yeah like he knows when to stop at red lights. He knows, you know, not how to mm-hmm. like driving a car. You can't like it's a like that's ninety nine percent of driving a car is being able to see other cars. Yeah. So either either wow. that man is a uh, supernatural being, or he's just got mm-hmm. God on his side. Either yeah. way, you're gonna lose that fight. Yeah, because if the Lord is behind, I mean. If the Lord is with me, who shall be against me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. 
Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. So, okay, we're going to get we get to my favorite segment of the show called That Black Ass Confession. Yes. So, uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, That Black Ass Confession is basically like a black TV show film uh, play that you haven't seen, like an like a, you know big deal iconic type of thing, or like a thing like a black thing you can't do. Like I'm not good at playing spades. Uh, oh, X me, said she can't either. make great mac and cheese. Okay, so well, you mean that's you not even it. my confession. <laughs> okay, so you do yours and I'll do mine. What's your confession? Okay, I'll drop. I'll give you two because I don't mm. feel like the I I don't feel like separately either of them is super strong. But mm, I, mm-hmm. I never saw 12 Years a Slave. Did not see that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And number two is I saw next Friday, like five years before I saw the original. Okay, I saw okay, next Friday okay. first. Okay. Okay. One, uh-huh. I also have not seen 12 Years a Slave. Okay. Only because I couldn't handle watching it because I kind of gotten to the point where I can't I'm sure it was an amazing film but I've seen I think I got I'm come to the point where I'm just like I'm I can no longer handle seeing black people in traumatic situations mm-hmm. also it's like this is because like apparently it was like Oh, this is one of the realest depictions of slavery on film. You know, it's even more real than Roots. And I'm just like, I don't need don't, that. Don't want that. I don't need this shit to be in 3D. I don't need this to be in 3D. I don't need this to be in Technicolor. I don't Mm-mm. need this to be a 4D experience where I can smell the cotton and feel the sweat. Like I, yeah. and then they were talking about how intense it was and all this other. And I was like, hey man, mm, I don't saw, need that. I don't need it. And it's like, because I've watched you know, I've, I grew up watching PBS. So I heard, you know, it's, I saw the civil war thing that Ken Burns did. And then mm-hmm. it was the month of February on PBS. So like it's actual, you know, experiences from actual slaves and Journal Truth and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and like their actual writings and they're talking about their experiences. So I was like, I've heard, you know, it's not that I say I've heard enough, but Mm -hmm. I think for me now, I would rather have a truthful, I'd rather have a first-hand account. And I know this movie is a first-hand account, but because this movie is a dramatized first-hand account, that's why it was the most realistic and very brutal depiction. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I, I, I can't handle this. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. Ha- and also, you are a freed man who got captured in a botched business, in a wild ass business deal with these white dudes, and you got sold in the fucking. I'm like, that would that would have made me mad because anytime something mm-hmm. bad happened to him, I'd have been like, but he was free, but he was free, yeah, and he did this to him. And I think I was like, I could not handle the um, my my emotional reaction to even finding out what the movie was about was so intense. Yeah. Then I was like, if I watch this actual movie, yeah, I'm gonna. I, it better be on a Friday so I have all weekend to cry. Two. Yeah. You saw next Friday before you saw the. How did you get away with not seeing Friday? Because I was a child. I was okay. so I was so young when it came out. Like, um, what Friday come out? Ninety six, ninety five. Let me remember. Um, so yeah, because Friday came out when I want to say 95, 96. So I would have been in like the seventh grade. Yeah. See, I was three, four. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, it came out. 19, it came out 1995. So, okay. so I would have been 12 years old, 11 or 12 okay. years old. Yeah. I was, uh, I was four. Um, so next Friday was 2002. Cause like every Friday, like I think for like, I don't know why I think like when I was in eighth grade for like a good couple of months. Oh, next Friday was 2000 for the next couple, like for two months or something. 
every Friday, me and my brother would come home from school and watch Friday. But yeah. we didn't do it long. But it's so funny that we did that. And then when that whole like buy Felicia thing started, I didn't know who people were talking about. Yeah. Because I never. Started really- doing that. People started doing yeah. that as though it was a recent reference. So I was like, I knew about uh, Felicia and Friday, but I was like, where the fuck are y'all, are y'all getting this from? Also, it was, such a, it was such a uh, off, not a throwaway line, but it was just like, how did you even catch this line to even make this a thing? Yeah, 20 years later, niggas, 25 20 years, years later. Literally, 25 years later, you niggas remember this one random line in the part of the movie, not the part where, you know, they, you know, because everybody used to go, my neck, my back, my neck, and my back. Like, everyone was doing yeah. that. Uh-huh. Um. You got knocked the fuck or you out. Might, you got knocked day. the fuck out. To this day, you can say that. Um, or, uh, or, uh, yeah, when he when he come up and he tell me to shut up, I shut up. But then we leave. Mm-hmm. When he leave, I be talking again. Talking again, yeah. <laughs> or my grandmama bought me that chain. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many reference, or you know the the speech Pop gives when he tells Craig, you know to oh yeah, don't need, get a gun, put these. your hands up. You need these because you live to fight another day. Yeah. Right. And which is so interesting because I saw that clip pop up again when they were talking about, you know, these, these, uh, with like stand your ground and stuff like that. Like you see a black person, you want to accost them, go and get a gun. Nah, nigga, put your hands up is basically Mm -hmm. what they meant. It was just like, yeah, you live to fight another day. Put your hands up, dog. You want to do this? Yeah. Let's go. I'm gonna run up on me with a weapon. Shit is wild, dog. Now, okay, so John Witherspoon, so that was an amazing character with Pops uh, playing John Witherspoon. Did you hear that uh, because he had passed, somebody had suggested like Jennifer Lewis, like the kids going to live, like acknowledging the Pops passing of Grandpa, and then the kids go and live with Grandpa's sister. Yeah. And that would be played by Jennifer Lewis. And I think that was a thing that they were kind of talking about for was, a second. I thought she was already on the show at some point. She could have been. I don't I know. Like, no. I don't, maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like it might have just been a character that looked like her. But I feel like she was on it. It could have been, but they got somebody to do. Because it's like guest voices, because people actually make can make their voice sound like other people. Now, yeah, that's true. Can, Oh, she was, yeah, she was on there. She played uh, Geraldine and Boss Bologna. Okay. I don't know if I remember that character. But. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Now, we cannot, not, not, not talk about Boondocks. You got to talk about Pops. You got to talk about Pimp Name Slip Back. But you have to talk about Uncle Ruckus. Yeah. Oh boy, I worked with him. Wait, what? What did you think I was gonna say? I w- I was gonna say I wanted to get out before we finish. Uh, mm. What's her name? Uh, Ed Wensler and Remy. What's his name? Played by Charlie Murphy and Samuel L. Jackson, two white yes. bank robbers. Yes, by- <laughs> that was funny as fuck. Two of the best characters in all of television history. Ed, oh, was it Ed Wensler the third or was it Junior? I want to say Ed Wensler. Ed Wensler the third. Yes. And then, uh, I forget Remy's last name, but Ed Wensler the third playing fucking bank robbers. So wait, because we do still have some time, we have to talk about Uncle Ruckus. Yeah. We have to. Uncle yeah. Ruckus uh, was voiced by Gary Anthony Williams. He appears mm-hmm. in fifty-five of the fifty-six episodes throughout all four seasons. I did not realize that Uncle Ruckus was in every single episode talking yeah. about you niggas and then like just going off about his way. Yeah. Uh, don't trust them new niggas over there. Don't. Listen, um, that was the song for a generation because everyone knew. I know black people knew what he meant. I don't know that yeah. white people knew. Yeah. Even, this in, is the, def- even in. Boondocks is definitely a show where like half the time I'm watching like I really hope white people don't see this 
I really, I really hope y'all don't watch this show. Because this is some shit that's true, but the application of it in real life, it mm-hmm. varies from person to person. Yes, you're going to be problematic and not know you're being problematic. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the biggest thing? What's the biggest thing that people should take away from the show? From the show, The Boondocks? Yeah. Um, I think... I think the biggest thing that the show is trying to communicate is that there's a lot of hard shit that the black community has to face about itself that mm-hmm. we, that we need to have a discussion about intracommunally. Like so, Luther Vandross. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, whole episode on the Luther Burger. Um, yes. And... I mean, I think that's it. It's just that, like, you can say and be whatever the fuck way you want to be, but when it comes down to it, we still have like communal issues that we need to uh, that we need to tackle amongst ourselves, and it's not all going to come from an external source. You can't expect. You really can't expect white people or the government to change because we need them to. We still Mm -hmm. need them to. They're still trash, but you can't expect them to keep up with where we're at in terms of uh, the progress that we need to, to be made. I want to thank you, Doya, for joining me on the show today. We talked about how Boondocks provided a hilarious space where the Black community can hash out their issues. The best examples of that being the R. Kelly trial episode where all black people we were just like, ah! So we had to, you know, hash out how we fucked about R. Kelly. Regina King is the GOAT for playing two main characters in the show seamlessly. And, you know, the Gangsta Delicious episode where we talked about basically homophobia in the black community. I want to thank you guys for listening. Our creator and producer of the show is Judith Carbo. Our supervising producer is Rebecca Steinberg. Our music composer and supervisor is Brendan Solomon Lynch. Our audio engineer is Jessica Gutierrez. Our executive producer is Jason Smith. And I'm your host, Dulce Sloan. So join us next time on That Black Ass Show. A podcast network.